0: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to my podcast. And today's guest is Anton Gavel, who currently is the new head coach of Ratio Farm at the BBL and EuroCup level. Uh, Anton and me, we talked a lot about his uh, time in Slovakia and uh, him coming to Germany early as a 16-year-old without knowing any German, starting his career off in Germany, uh, about his time in Spain, as well as in Greece. Uh, The struggles uh, as a player, the challenges as a new young head coach uh, at the Pro-B level, uh, lots of philosophy questions, communication questions, assistant coach uh, expectations, the usual things. And now it's just a different perspective from a player that won a lot of championships in Bamberg and Munich. And now he's going to share his experiences with his players as a coach. Uh, Anton strikes me as a very... Down to earth head coach. I believe he will have a great career just because he's egoless and he has a very good way of expressing himself. So please listen into this podcast. It's uh, it's very useful for all the new uh, up and coming coaches that are becoming head coaches early on at a young age. Um, Become a subscriber. uh, Become a Patreon and also uh, subscribe not only to YouTube channel, but also to all the audio platforms uh, on Apple podcasts on Spotify and all the other goodies. So um, listen in and um, stay tuned for more. All right. Talk soon. All right, Anton, welcome to the big show, my podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we've uh, we've interacted uh, Infrequently at some junior tournaments. And now I wanted to congratulate you on becoming the head coach of Ratha von home. Congratulations.
1: Thank you very much, for that.
0: But uh before before we dive into the teeth of the defense and we get deep into it, uh I have a I have a a uh, listener question <laughs> already. <Yeah>. Already <laughs> I had I had to I had to ask around a little bit. How come, how come a Slovakian-born um, player is uh, a diehard Haas foul fan?
1: <laughs> oh, 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 I know exactly where that's coming from. Well, um, Arne, Arne Votman, uh, I mean, uh, he, he was my coach in Bamberg, and he is a huge highest foul fan. And I know it hurt him badly when they moved to the second division. So, um, yeah, hopefully they stay there. So uh, I can I can tease him all the time. Uh, and uh, yeah so for that reason uh, I always say that I have to be a san pauli fan
0: San pauli okay <laughs> all
1: right have you have you been to some pauli games no i've never been I've never been to the game i've never been to milan Torso. so uh, I can't tell anything about the atmosphere um I've only been in a couple of stadiums in Germany to watch some games but i uh, never been never been to neither Hamburg or uh, or hars or Saint pauli.
0: I would love to go to some game. That that seems like a, a a must must do on the on the soccer games uh, to do list.
1: Definitely, and I think also Union Berlin now in their first division. I think that atmosphere is also great there. So uh, the little stadiums, uh, I think that uh, they have a little flair that uh, you know the big stadium doesn't have.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's let's dive into a little bit into. Um, the, the, the basketball part, but before we go through the player, uh, your player experience, your coaching experience, just to give the, the listeners and the viewers um, a little bit of a background, how come uh, you like you started, you were born in Slovakia, you started your, your, your playing in Slovakia, but how when, how did you move? When did you move to Germany? It's also for me just of, of interest because I'm not very much familiar with, with the start of your career.
1: Yeah, well, I was um, I started basketball basically when I was eleven. My father became a coach uh, from the very youth team, so like a fifth grade, something like that. And I and I used to join the practices when I was um, in a second grade, something like that. And I kind of got into it, and um, and it was fun. Um, both parents played basketball, which is kind of. Uh, unusual but back then uh, before because I was born in Czechoslovakia back then in Czechoslovakia basketball was pretty big I mean we had a couple of medals from European championships and we had a couple of big names in, in European basketball before that when we were two countries together so um, basketball was pretty big back then and um, I mean, it's still kind of in in women but in uh, and, and of course Czech republic right now with with men's basketball is is growing up but um yeah in Slovakia basketball is definitely not a very let, let's say it's not even one uh, or number two sport in in our country but um yeah i kind of got into it pretty pretty early and uh, because of my parents uh, i dove into the basketball and i stayed
0: but uh, you you moved when did you move to germany like, yeah what, what was I'm, what was the
1: what was the moving point? Yeah, 2001. Um, when I was 16, uh, I moved to Germany. Uh, I received an offer from uh, from Karlsruhe from the second division in Germany. Back then, it was South and North. Uh, the, there was Dr. Ivan Vojtko, a Slovak coach back then, wanted to give a chance to one young player, and, and I said, "Let's do it." I mean, uh, I knew that, um, yeah, in Slovakia, there's not a lot of chance to to get higher or, let's say, uh, to to get better so I said, uh, we, uh, yeah i have to do the move and i didn't care if it's a second division third division fourth division whatever just to go uh, go somewhere else uh, abroad and and try to, try my luck there
0: how did you like calstru because i i mean I, I played i played against calstru um as as a coach but they were, that was already pro a you know when they were right. like north and south brought together and I think uh, Dr. Ivan Voitko was still there the first year we played them because he was there for a while Um, but how did you how did you enjoy culture
1: well first of all it was it was a huge difference because I had to go there and go right away into the school so um, Mm -hmm. I thought okay you you know you learn some some languages like foreign languages in the school but uh, that was the first I don't want to say shock, but uh, I didn't understand anything I thought I have a couple of uh, you know grammar stuff and i I will be able to to introduce myself and have a conversation but uh to be honest jump right into the school was a was a huge difference and and it was tough but basketball wise um i mean dr Voidko was still kind of like back then the soviet union coach and and we were before every practice i mean before every single practice we were on the uh outside running um uh, you know track and field Every single time before we went to the gym, every single time we were running outside. Uh, and like I said, in the last three years, we were probably the best team uh, with, with the best condition. But uh, yeah, we were we were in the end we were runners.
0: Yeah, that sounds like my father. So we were all preparation was running outside, and, and like I and mean, we didn't run outside during the mornings uh, during the season. But it's it's very much uh, Eastern European, Soviet Union, yep. Yugoslavian, like all all this. Uh, the the East, eastern block was very much uh, like that
1: <laughs> yeah that's right that's right from
0: from your time like now you said you were 16 when you came is there something you can take away from that time that you could advise now if, as later we're going to talk about the orange academy but you can advise kids coming over to to own to like the adaptation period is there something you remember uh, struggling but besides the language part
1: yes i mean back then you didn't have that that possibilities to communicate with your parents with your friends i mean back then we had just a phone uh, no internet or anything like that. so right now i think this this part could be easier i think the best thing for me was try to uh try to dive into that culture like be open i know it's sometimes tough because you don't know the language but don't be shy to to talk to the people try to try to uh, know them and, and especially when i was in the school and some of the guys who come in here also Uh, to orange academy they go into the school i think it's important to not just to know the language but be open to the people and to the friends and and try to make friends and also not just basketball wise but do stuff with them go to eat go to cinema with them and and make some friends i think it makes uh, the world and the life a little bit easier for you
0: yeah i think a lot of kids i mean there's like naturally some kids that are introverted that that just shy away from that but I think it's very important breaking through that barrier and and like not being afraid to make a mistake in a language that you're learning right now and right. not being afraid to put yourself out there, making yourself vulnerable. That creates a good bond between your teammates as well. You yes. know, just to be a part of, of of something.
1: You said it. Make yourself vulnerable is, I think, something that uh, also makes you you know for the other people it makes it like a feel more warm uh just 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 they're gonna they're gonna like you right away i know if you if you just try to be introvert I, you know, a lot of people cannot change themselves and this is your character but sometimes you have to be proactive and not just expect all the time people are coming to you and try to invite you somewhere sometimes you have to just make the first step and uh, we had a last year somebody from from friends who kind of had these difficulties to you know, to, to get into that. And I think we try to talk to him that he also has to make a little step towards, towards the people who are in Germany, because they're going to make it one, two times, maybe three times, but later on, you know, sometimes they're just not going to, not going to do it anymore.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like you, you have to appreciate if, if somebody is coming up to you and inviting you to, right. to a dinner or to something like you, you can't, you can't shy away from that you have to right. be open to those uh, opportunities. Um, let's talk a little bit about your playing time um, mm-hmm. before we go into the coaching parts. and and you know like my you've you've listened to my podcast, I assume yes. already to several. So i I have different perspectives and I gather different perspectives just to have a broad view on 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 the experiences of players and coaches. But you have a very vast experience um, in Germany. Uh, especially with Bamberg, all the titles putting aside, may they rest in peace. I say that to everybody. You know, it's this, 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 this podcast is not about as much about the titles, more about the the essence of how to get to the titles or how, what you drew from it. But um, especially in the Bamberg times, what do you remember that you like learned from Coach Fleming during that period that is going to help you today or in your preparation to become a head coach right now? Um, that's something that sticks with you. That's stuck with you throughout your whole career in Bamberg. That's until now you remember.
1: Well, first thing, what I what I what I really liked about Coach Fleming was not just him. It was like the whole coaching staff. Like he never never put himself uh, on a on a certain kind of step or ahead or above the the other coaches. They all did it together. I think there was still something that I took from right away. That uh, it's a, it's a team. Also, also, their coaching staff is like a team sport, and they had it like a little family. You know, they, the family, hang out together, and they always communicated the stuff or decisions together. So there was something that uh, for me right now, as a, as a coach, let's say, this is something that I would definitely like to like to go that path, and 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 I really liked how they were uh, doing the stuff. And um, as a player, I mean, I came there in a situation when uh, I remember that the first time, my first. Uh, first practice was a paintball lesson i mean they lost five in a row i came there there were two and six uh the whole you know i don't want to say chemistry but the mood was down and and my first practice session was a, was a, was a paintball so uh and i didn't know maybe uh, maybe i know two or three guys but i didn't really know the team and i had to go and, and shoot the guys basically on the paintball session so it was kind of it was kind of weird, but, uh, in the other side, it kind of broke the barriers. And, uh, from there on, we went to like a six, seven, um, game winning streak. And, uh, you know, they, they always try to, uh, make adjust. No, I don't want to say adjustment, but if the things that were not going our way, we went way from, from basketball and just try to either go to dinner or make some, uh, like I said, like a paintball session or something that didn't really have to do anything with the basketball to kind of, um, you know, just make the the players feel loose, uh, so, yeah, there was still something there I really like. did you do uh,
0: did Coach Fleming do a lot of those kind of team bonding sessions in different aspects besides paintball anything else?
1: Mm, I mean we we've done we've done those in the preseasons or sometimes with Bamberg, But we did a couple of times where uh, before the playoffs uh, we went to like a three, four days uh, completely away. I mean in the, in the beginning, I kind of didn't like it. I was like, oh, we're gonna lose the focus. Uh, we're not gonna be ready for the playoffs. If we go to summer to Malaga, I think we went one time to Malaga and second time uh, to my, Mallorca, I guess. But after the first time, I really thought that that kind of brought us even more stronger together. I thought it, we're gonna lose the, the focus, but it was completely opposite. They knew what we were doing. and we prayed maybe practice in those four, five days, maybe three times. like that was not really about the basketball. What we were doing was a beach volleyball or we were doing some we were go swimming or they had something prepared for us. So it was, like that focus that everybody was okay. Now we have to go through the playoffs, and now it's gonna to be tough, and and we the favorites. And then suddenly, he took that pressure from us, and 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 it helped. It helped a lot.
0: That's uh, in good good old German. It's called tapetenwechsel. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just 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 to change a little bit, a little bit of scenery, and, and and get your mind away from from it. Because I know, like, once you get back into the, like. Into the playoff, into the gym, and it's just going to be nothing, nothing but that. So I'm, I'm sure yeah. this kind of. But you also need to support like the, everybody, the whole. Everybody needs to be on board with it. The whole club needs to be on board with that because some inexperienced clubs may not have the 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 may, may not be cognizant about the importance of like just changing the scenery a little bit for players. Right. How important it is. because you all the time you're going home, gym, home, gym. Maybe you go to the weight like the weight room is maybe sometimes in a gym, yeah. sometimes somewhere else. So just just to change the dynamics a little bit, I think it's very important, especially in a long season like these days. Right.
1: But he was also on the board with the players, like, you know, I mean, you know, Casey Jacobson, he was like one of the, the for me, the captain, I mean, really one of uh, the best guys uh, outside of, uh, not just on the court, but also outside of the court. He always asked him about his opinion and if he wouldn't be on the board, then of course we probably wouldn't do it, but he knew that it can help us and those characters we had throughout those four or five years in Bamberg. Uh, I mean, he kept them always accountable, and he always introduced. Like first time I got there, he invited me to the to the dinner and explained me how the situations in Bamberg are going. And he did it with not just with me, but with everybody who came, and kind of like uh, explaining the culture or the way we were doing the things in Bamberg, which was not difficult because Bamberg is so small city. So usually you always, you know. Run into somebody uh, on on a, on a restaurant or or daily basis.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very it's a college town. <laughs> it's yeah, very that's right. that's right. Very small but co- cozy. I call it a cozy town. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so uh, from your like while you were playing, you also experienced different not only the assistant coaches in in Bamberg but in other countries as well, in Spain and in in, in mm-hmm. Greece. Like what? What does a good assistant look like? Look like to you? Like what are the things that you expect from a good assistant to support as a, to, to the player?
1: Well, I think they they they're almost on the same page. I mean, of course, the the head coach got to take the decisions and he's I don't want to say take the blame, but he, he has the last word. But I think the assistant coach always have to sometimes I don't want to say question the coach, but also make him think in a different directions sometimes, like or, or kind of like challenge him. But uh, on the other side, uh, I think um the assistant coaches right now the bond between the head coaches and assistant coaches at least what i experienced was always uh that good that it was uh beside basketball there was always like even i don't want to say spending family times with them but they were also hanging hanging around uh, in a free time or their families or something like that so this is something that the, the connection the um, yeah it seems, i don't even know the, the word now but the connection between the the coach and head and assistant coaches, I think it's 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 a strong one, and then it also the the whole team kind of feels it when when they're on a on a same page. So uh, I don't want to go into the details of what they have to do, like what their task in the practice, or everybody's is, is the different one has the different, let's say uh, expertise, or or somebody takes care of defense, somebody takes care of an offense. But uh, I think like the bond between. The coaches. This is something that uh, that for me also makes the assistant coach.
0: So, like, it has to be a cohesive unit. Like the 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 yeah. like, they all have to feel like they're on the same page, obviously. And the right. players, it reflects onto the to, to the players for sure.
1: I mean, when you're on the court, of course, you gotta be on the same page. And there is there is a video or something like that. But if you're in a room and you're talking about uh, different stuff, the game preparation, or if you if you're asking for plays or something like that, I think they have to also. Give give the head coach a challenge, like so. You have to think about it. Okay, maybe 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 he's right, or this is something that definitely gonna help us. Uh, of course, when you go in front of the unit, in front of the team, that you guys are on the same page every single time. But like, if you are preparing everything, and most of the time you guys are spending in an office or or somewhere else, then uh, they also kind of like a challenge you with with questions and and with ideas.
0: Yeah, I I don't. I don't think a yes man uh, as an assistant is very useful. So yeah. like at least like behind behind back doors you have to be able to argue and professionally like make your point and and give some some counterattacks to the to the coach just like you said like challenge him. Uh in front of a team it's something else obviously but right. like you 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 have to be uh cognizant of the authority of the head coach uh but when you look at it from a player perspective what did you like how did you see the relationship between the player and the assistant coach what, did, what were the things you expected for them to help you with during the games and during practices like what's what are the things you're looking for and the questions you ask your assistant coaches
1: well, i think the at least from my experience uh assistant coaches they had their their guys like they those guys for example i don't know um uh, assistant coach one was responsible for those three guys assistant coach b was responsible for another three four guys so so of course when there was something in a in a game they see or if something was wrong those guys was also talking to the players so i think this was something that uh that at least i experienced and it worked very well so they had also the parts of the team were kind of like divided uh and and you had a certain kind of like um, overlook over those certain guys you you took care also in practices because most of the time, you were also practicing with them. So I had—I um, mean, you had Stefan weisenberg on your podcast. He was responsible kind of for me, and 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 we we had a bond that is—I mean, we are just great friends right now. But he was also taking care or taking care of me when things were going wrong in a game or in practices. So we talked, and 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 for example, Chris was not going to me, but he sent Stefan, and he kind of kind of talked to me, and it got it do the better. So I think. Um, you know, the, the assistant coaches, they're like, I don't want to say the mommies sometimes, but <laughs> they, they have to listen to those uh, cries or, or, or blames or whatever. And they have to then also reflect and know what they're going to keep for themselves or what they're going to say to the coach, how we can change stuff. So um, I think the good assistant coach, they they listen and they can uh, digest uh what information needs to go where. So um, this is this is something what I also experienced, uh, especially in the Bamberg team, where it worked really well.
0: Filter, yeah. Like I, yeah. I always like the, the the assistant coaches have to be really good filters. I mean, like I, I was always cognizant of the relationship of with the player of how, cl- like you're naturally going to spend a lot of time together. You can yeah. go, I think it's normal and natural to go for some breakfast, for some lunch or whatever, mm-hmm. just to talk and just to have a, a creative bond. But you also have to be cognizant of what the coach needs to hear, what he doesn't need to hear. And yeah. you also like the player trusts you with some things of that the coach shouldn't hear, <laughs> you know. Exactly, exactly. And and you like, I think assistant coaches have to be uh, aware of not falling into the trap of that. But now talking about Stefan, because I, I wrote that down as well. On, on my podcast, Stefan said something that you and him were going at it. Like during games, sometimes you were arguing, you were going hard mm-hmm. at it. What were the most common things you were arguing with him about during games? Because it it seemed like it was a very emotional relationship at that point, but it's also a very um, healthy emotional relationship. It was like...
1: Well, it it was like this. I mean, with him, he basically... uh, I don't want to say... Like, the Bamberg time, he made the step I made in Bamberg. Like, it was because of him. I really have to say that like this. Uh, He always like you know him and you know what he's doing when when he's doing individual workout but it started it started that I kind of thought he was new there and I kind of thought I'm 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 gonna be cocky and and start talking stupid to him and um, and then we got into the into the fight pretty fast like in maybe second third session um, and but we talked right away and I think the the relationship that I uh, that I started or their long long, law or or until now I started on kind of like a wrong note and uh i think the big this was exactly with him um and then of course every single time i missed a shot missed the free throw or whatever it was he, he needed to hear the blame so he just saw me and i was cursing and we were cursing in our language and then we were going back and forth and i was blaming him for missing the shots but in the end we always knew that there was a there was a some kind of respect and and uh, we were working daily uh sometimes early in the morning sometimes after bed sometimes after good games and he was always there like this is the first thing you have to tell he was always there and um he always trying to help so uh but it all oh, it started like this really the second or third um, practice uh, i started talking some smack to him and he was talking back and he never never really backed down so uh we were both like a hot hot hats and yeah, until now we're 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 really talking uh, talking daily. I would say
0: and Stefan never never struck me as a hothead, but I I, I I'm sure he has this emotional part too. Um, yeah. But so he was tinkering with your shot a little bit, and you got frustrated. Is that is that how uh, I, I interpret it?
1: Yes. Uh, we we tried to change something in the practices. For example, we we tweak something with a shot, or we tried something new, and then we of course uh, tried it in the games, and it didn't work. And then uh, of course the first shot I missed, or first free throw I missed, I was working right away to on, on the sideline and, and give him the look or or start cursing. So uh, you know he had to he had to listen to a lot of those stuff. But, um, in the end, it worked out. I mean, I have to say, in the end, it really worked out.
0: Uh, what, what did can I ask you what did you tinker with what did he what did he adjust like is there a certain like just uh, just to go into detail well, a little bit
1: well the thing was I was trying to always uh, put the ball when I was shooting I tried to put the ball way uh, until my waist um, sometimes so he he was there holding the stick so I couldn't really move or he put like the whole basket box in front of me so I don't really have to or I couldn't move my my ball uh, below my waist or sometimes I will hit my head while I was shooting so we had to put like a like a hat or or stuff like that, so I couldn't really. Uh, there was also Thorsten when he tried to do it. Thorsten was also a guest on your podcast when he tried to uh, didn't touch my head, so I was holding like wearing a regular baseball cap, so I couldn't really hit my head while shooting. This was kind of some some tweaks that we were doing to the shop
0: interesting interesting so you're yeah. like you just trying to eliminate the dip at first just so you right. don't dip too low and then keep it in front
1: exactly exactly and we tried also the you know the energy uh because i tried to really like there was so much uh let's say not i don't want to say energy but also power into the shot so you kind of tried to like the the use the energy so so the so the ball flows a little easier
0: yeah interesting energy okay yeah I need to. I need to put a light on here because the energy is coming out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, from your playing career, um, what do you what do you remember? Like, what what would you do different uh, if you like you gone you gone through all this and you reflect on your career? Which is there something you would have done different uh, uh, throughout pl- your playing career?
1: Uh, well. A lot of people say they, they would just let it like this. I think um the first time when I when I uh, left Germany there was there was Gießen, I think that was two thousand uh, what was it, two thousand seven, and I went to ACB um for two years to Murcia, I think that came kind of uh, too early. I think I was not uh not, not ready uh back then going to that uh, that kind of competition. I mean back then it was it was it was crazy. I think in my two years in, in Murcia we won only three away games Uh, so everything else was just uh, try to protect the home court and try to steal some games and and we had people like Goran Dragic on our team we were two rookie young guys and I think this kind of kind of came a little too early but in the end um, you never know how the situation is going to go and ACB back then was from 1 to 18 uh, it was just uh, ruthless like every game was a a brutal battle and my first year I remember we saved ourselves in the last game against Valladolid so um, maybe that's that step could come little let's say a little later
0: because after like you went to you went to aris right and then you no, went to
1: exactly yeah uh, you then went to to, uh
0: but you had you had a short stop over uh back in in slovakia right
1: yeah but it was it was because um you know after the aris thing i was waiting for uh for a job or for an oh, offer okay. to come and then yeah. i was just kind of preparing myself so there was a really quick stint i think only two games uh, back home in slovakia and then then the bamberg um, bamberg offer came
0: yeah cuz uh, november i saw you moved then to bamberg yes. and then you played yeah. there um okay like just from the mental aspect like during during your career but also during like the season game by game like if there's there was like you said there was arguments with the coaches like gener- generally speaking some failures right like you have some feel mm-hmm. some bad games some bad stretches slumps how did you overcome bad bad um or failures in general? What what, um, what, did, what did you what did you retreat to? What did you do?
1: Yeah, well, in the beginning it was always um uh I tried to go right back into the gym and just try to to work even harder. This was still was in the beginning and it kinda it, it kind of worked, especially in let's say Bamberg time or before I just wanted to outwork everybody and this is not just the quote like everybody's saying because back then there was no uh, social media or anything like that and I, I, I didn't want to post it or anything I just wanted to be in a gym and uh, just try to outwork everybody and if I was not making the shots then I would stay into the gym until I make those shots later in a career especially in Bayern Munich when it was going to, to uh, towards the end of my career then I was trying different stuff. Maybe, maybe just relax. Don't go, don't go do the extra work. Go the opposite way. Just try to figure it out what works the best. Uh, try to work with the athletic coaches. If I said, yeah, I thought my, my legs were not ready or something like that, I try to maybe way too late go a little more towards the details because I was kind of stubborn and and just try to go through the wall. And, and if it's not working, then there is no other chance. So in the end of the career, I try to go to the opposite way. Yeah, but uh, most of the time it was just head down and go through every single wall.
0: It's hard when you're used to going going in a gym. It feels counterintuitive to not do it, right? Like it feels it feels wrong.
1: I felt bad. I felt bad. I I was like really tried. I had to really tell myself, okay, just don't worry. We're trying it this way. We're going for a week. Uh, Hopefully it works. And if not, then we go back to our routine.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I always felt like for me, like always being in a gym shooting, like uh, you you can feel something is off the slump, like you, you're shooting it normally, but it just feels off. Then sometimes it felt better just to not to stay in a gym for two three days and just get out of it. Then you come back and you just like... It feels like you got a second wind, you know, after a while, mm-hmm. like it just like getting going away sometimes helps. So sometimes less is more. And I think the older yeah. you get, the more you understand it. Early on, it's it's impossible to understand. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: So so retirement, retirement and by mean 2018 was when retirement was um yeah. approaching for you. Um what was the transition like? Did you feel like that you struggled with some identity loss in the beginning? Was there anything that you prepared yourself for the next stage how did you How did you handle retirement like the approach of it?
1: Mm, well, I knew that um there was something that I'm missing and it was not condition wise or it was not a physical side of the uh, of the of the play while I finished. I think it was just I couldn't kinda handle it that um I couldn't do the stuff that I was able to do before. And it was more like a mental stuff. And I think, uh, I had, I had enough on that and I could finish the career on a, on a winning the the double, basically the cup and the, uh, and the championship. Uh, and I was the, that was the first time I was also as a captain of the team. So there was something for me personally, something special, but a transition to that, uh, to be honest, it was kind of relief, uh, in the beginning, um, the first months, definitely relief. Uh, I also, uh, after a career, my daughter uh, was born, so there was a lot of um, lot of stuff to do um, that kind of kept me outside of it. And um, which was kind of funny, I got the right away into the co-commentating job, the Euroleague games of Bayern. So I kind of still was involved, and and I stayed with Bayern and was doing a little bit with the youth uh, and and with Emilio right now uh, as assistant co- uh, as as individual coach. So I kind of kept involved, but I was relieved and. To be honest, for me, it was not a problem to to not play. It was just I like to still watch the game, and and it was kind of weird maybe not to see the guys and have the daily routine to go into the locker room and to the practices and a little more time. But for me, as a as a player, I didn't. I was not missing.
0: Did you? Did, you didn't know that you were going to coach right away, right? It sounds like no. You, it no. sounds no. like you were just letting it approach and kind of like eased out of it, and then just see or like let the game come to you, basically.
1: Right, right. I mean, uh, Brian, um kind of let me, you know, the, just be around the young kids and just look around. Uh, they were thinking about going to the uh, individual. Uh, direction like the development coaching stuff and that and Emilio came that year Emilio Kovacic and and I learned a lot from him and we were doing stuff together so there was there was I was still involved somehow but I didn't really have those responsibilities plus I was doing the commentating stuff so I was there in the gym or around but not as much not traveling or anything like that so um, it was it was good to figure it out and just just kind of like feel into it and look around what's going to be the next step.
0: Uh just I want to get back a little bit to the to the captain part because you said like the first time you were a captain and you wanted like what was the you were appointed captain right away from the beginning of the season?
1: Yes, yes. It so, was yes. Yeah.
0: What was what was your approach with that? Like you I'm I'm sure that feels like there's like a uh not a heaviness, but a, it's certainly a responsibility that you felt. How how did you how did you did you take advice from somebody or did you just go into it with your with experience?
1: I mean like I said Casey Jacobson in Bamberg was one of the captains that I always going to remember and 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 the stuff that he was doing and approaching the guys not just on the court um, and it was the first time and I, I, I didn't try to copy anybody or just try to be uh, like just try to tell those stuff the worst thing for me was that I knew that I'm not the player that I was before and I still had to have speeches and talk about it so uh, I didn't want to go and to tell anybody hey let's do this because I was doing that back then um i just try to keep the team to try to keep the team together and and give him some kind of speeches i was thinking about that could uh, motivate him before the game um but overall the team the team was uh was functioning well so i didn't really have uh, so much stuff to do plus we could finish on a good note we won two cups and i mean two cups we won the cup the, the championship and yeah unfortunately lost to the semifinals in euro cup but okay um it was it was it was a good good last season and good experience for me uh being let's say a captain
0: yeah that i'm sure i'm sure that's a the one of like i mean it's still you were still relatively young 34 right but it's, right, it's exactly it's yeah. a good way really good way of going out <laughs> i mean you can't <laughs> can't great. ask for much more um, yeah. so becoming a head coach but becoming becoming first of all becoming a head coach at the orange academy let's talk about a little bit about that um, so when you when you took that role at the Orange Academy and Ulm, um what was your first like your first approach to 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 coaching juniors? And do you think that I'm sure you had a go goal further goal to become a professional head coach uh, at at the at the professional level? But do you think it's essential for, for uh, former players to take a like um like Spanulis was doing also last year to coach juniors to have experience, to have some hands-on experience? With younger talent, and then going into um, professionals, or is that something that that is very individually varies?
1: Um, well, I have to go back a little bit to the to the players, and I, I like I like I very like the stories. Like if you go from somewhere and you develop or you make those steps and you make it right to the um, to the top. So for me, this was something going from the second division to first division to go through, let's say, Spain to EuroLeague. I always had my goal to get to the EuroLeague. Like as a player, that was fine. That was my goal to get to the EuroLeague. I had a chance to play six years EuroLeague. And and like the, I like the story in the end when I, in retrospect, look at the career, it was kind of like always moving up and the story behind it was something you can, Kyle Hines is also a great example for that. So uh, this is something what I also liked that the chance came into the Pro B, which is third division in Germany. So I didn't get uh, the chance or step into writing the first division because I would be overwhelmed and it's completely a different story. So I, I like that, that everything started on that level. Um, of course, I didn't expect that the steps gonna go that fast, but um, this is this is something that I like because still. I have to be honest to you, uh, I still lived the first couple of months or basically when I got the job from from that, that my name, especially in Germany, still meant something. So the people I was coaching knew me a little bit, at least from from watching me before. So that helped me to get, let's say, the respect automatically. Um, but I had to learn. So first first steps was I was trying to call in coaches and grab as much information about how to prepare the preseason, um, how to do this, how to do that. Um, and then try to mix it together and and make some kind of the idea how how we would like to do it. Plus, my assistant coach back then also helped me a lot because he knew the league, he knew the players we're gonna play against, and uh, also the team. So so that was very very helpful. And this is this is why I, why I went back to the players. I kind of like the story. so it will be great when it goes somewhere. It doesn't matter where it goes. We will see but it started on a pro b and hopefully you know it can make always uh, one step ahead
0: yeah it's it's like the foundation is very important right like you you have to also find yourself as a coach your own identity yeah. and figure out like really which with every team it works a little bit differently but early on i think in a coach's career head coach's career the, to find your own identity as 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 a coach is very important yeah. and you f- you form it by by trying things out what did you what did you find yourself uh, asking yourself the most throughout the first season uh, coaching coaching in a pro b like what were the questions that constantly came up
1: First first of all I had a respect for the because of the task to be the coach first of all so I think this is the next time I am right now when I know what's going to come in a couple of weeks I still have a respect but I kind of look into it looking forward to it but the first year the questions I had uh, I mean of course in the beginning was like how to how to Put the not put the team together, but uh, how to put the preseason together? How are we gonna start? How are we gonna work? How are we gonna use this train coach? How are we gonna do this? How I wanna uh, the duties to the assistant coaches and and, and stuff like that. Plus, uh, of course, the team. Uh, I didn't know them. I didn't know the league. I don't know how the opponent's gonna be uh, looking like. So, uh, and plus with the pro B, you know, you have, you're gonna have a lot of those double license guys. So that means um, they're gonna play for the fir- or practice with the first team and get their chances there, and mostly play for us. So this was also something that I I wanted to look. Okay, what Yakalakov is gonna do with the first team, so we can make it easier for those guys coming up and down all the time defensively and offensively so um, I was looking in his practices and look what what how we can make it work but also in the end put some of my stuff that I thought was uh, was good for the players we had back then.
0: But like looking at in the big picture um, and you think obviously you don't know what other ex-players that go into coaching struggle with but but what do you anticipate usually for ex-players to struggle with the most when they start coaching?
1: I think the first is to, to put the ego aside, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think I always try to tell them that I had my time and, and it's never going to be about me and it's just everything about you players. And if if the things are going wrong, I will take responsibility for it. But if you guys win, it's because you guys have done it. So this is something that I always try to, I don't want to say preach is the word, but I try to let them know. Um, and the other thing is, of course, the coaching is completely, I think, the daily work. It's uh, As a player, you come to practice You finish, you stay hanging around, and then you go home. But uh, as a coach, I mean, this is nothing new. This is not a physics or anything. You, You have to prepare. You, if if something has gone wrong, somebody, especially on that level, sometimes the guys don't doesn't show up or. Um, they miss the bus or something like that so you have to change the practice on the uh, <laughs> right away you expect the, you have 12 players suddenly you have 11 so all the three and three four and four shell drills you have prepared so you have to kind of like also be be ready for for whatever happens uh, and then uh, and the games of course when, when first couple first games and the close games are there and you're like okay now now you know it might come to the last play what are you going to draw how are you going to talk to them and this is this is something that uh that the first seasons uh, were I mean the first season was very interesting in that kind of uh, perspective.
0: Yeah, I that's the one thing I, I like it's like you you prepare yourself like for the situation of what which, which words to pick to choose to, to get your point across and in what tone and how do you yeah. like you you everything your your head is constantly working that's the that's the mm-hmm. best part about this job because you always have to be on your toes. And, and um, like I was at this uh, camp in Turkey right now uh, coaching young kids. And it was, for me, it was the first experience of that magnitude because it was two sessions in the morning and each session each session in the morning had two practices of 40 minutes each each. So it was basically three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. But for each session, for each practice, you had a different group. And the groups ranged from 10-year-olds all the way to 18-year-olds. And and you have, like, you prepare a practice, I prepare four different practices, and you're kind of trying to build it up into, like, you know, like a four-on-four four session or mm-hmm. four-on-three four versus a plus one and things like that, and... And after like the second session, I'm like, this, I'm just going to have to like just free ball and see yep. which group I'm going to get. And the 12 year olds, they're not going to, the ten, 12 year olds are not going to run pick and roll and then just yeah. do, you know, like preparation drill and stuff like that. So, yeah. so it's, I'm, I can imagine with the, with the double licensed players that some guys fall out and all of a sudden you have like an odd number of seven players, maybe in the gym yeah. or <laughs> nine, nine players. You just, okay, let's do three on three on three or whatever, you yeah. know, with nine players. Then there's, you have to improvise. So, that exactly. also that also um teaches you a lot as a coach and, and kind of like it gives you keeps you on your toes again, not mentally, but ment- mentally sharp as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean it's it were challenges, but uh, the organization is the first thing, especially on that level, what you have to what you have to manage somehow. Um, you know, different gyms, different players, double licensed guys, you don't have them until the last day of the uh, of the weekend, then suddenly you have. 16, 17 guys. Uh, how are you gonna? How are you gotta try to involve everybody so there are not a lot of guys standing around and just you're gonna give them feeling. Okay, those are the twelve guys, and the other five are not important. So this is this is the youth, and I liked it, and I, and I think that gave me a lot. And uh, of course, uh, um, yeah, I, it gave me a lot. Let's let's say it like that.
0: Um, let's let's move in a little bit into now, like the the head coach part in Ulm, Like now preparation. Like when you found out in the summer. That you will replace Uh First of all, did you watch a lot of his practices throughout the, the the season there, the last seasons, and and what were the things that you that you can take from him that when he ran the teams?
1: I mean, Jakov did a great job. So first of all, that I mean, I watched uh, especially in the first first years, I watched a lot of practices uh, with him and and learned from. He had a lot of stuff that uh, either Kokoschko stuff, like the stuff from a Slovenian national team, and and or Barcelona, or he. Played for uh, for Gelco, so uh, he had a lot of those uh, those situations or let's say um, these things that that he learned when he was a player. Uh, um, so there were a lot of things that uh, he had to also go through because, uh, for example, in the first year he came here as a new head coach and didn't really have any of his assistant coaches. So there were two new guys, and and it's also a situation where you have to first adapt. Plus he had a, a young Killian Hayes point guard who had to kind of, you know, that uh, there's going to be always somebody looking from, um, from NBA. And and so I think the first thing that he was kind of, um, you know, holding the pressure for him was was something that I really, really was looking for and, and, and how he was handling the different characters and different egos. And throughout the three years, he had a different, different guys. And then also the pressure the first year, I think they had a, Eight games losing streak and and him as a first time uh, coach somewhere how he handled that pressure so this is the first thing that that I looked at him and I think he he's done a tremendous job with that and of course they always competing were competing until either semifinals or, or quarterfinals so uh, he put that stuff that I for example never seen um, offensively you know uh, that flow motion and and a lot of ball uh, I mean a lot of handoffs and everybody involved. This is something that uh, that I really like of uh, what he brought um, to the table offensively. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think like you're you're in a really really good place in terms of developing uh, developing coaches as well because like almost known to develop players but also coaches and like the, like you said the first year of Yaka like the losing streak. I think a lot of a lot of coaches, a lot of a lot of managements would have folded, you know, like they they would have gotten felt the pressure to it. And and Torsten talked about it as well. I think he had also one time a season that was not great. You know, like it's like it's a very poised franchise and and does not does not like press the panic button really too quickly, but they 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 trust in the development and they see they monitor the process very well, I think. So I think that you're in a really good place, also to grow as a coach, and and for for your future sake, it's it's a good development development place.
1: I mean, you have to think about it. When Yaka and and me first arrived, uh, we were both kind of rookies. I think Yaka had one or two games where he had in Bilbao when he was a head coach when he replaced, but. I didn't have no experience in that. Uh, he didn't really have that experience. He was assistant coach, of course, more than I had. But uh, I don't want to say they they took a risk or the organization took a risk, but they saw something, uh, let's say, in both of us, and and uh, they were not afraid to go that direction. Also with the players, like uh, you know, giving Yaka the, the Killian Hayes um, as a starting point guard, uh, it's it's always you know, I don't want to say to go that risk because that would be, I think. The word will be too harsh but it's a um you know also having a trust um in, into something they think that can work it might go a completely different direction but like Torsten said uh he had those streaks, and 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 thomas store was still holding to him
0: yeah yeah that's that's really you know like uh sh- hats hats off to to the organization for sure so that was, what was the first phone call after you received the, the phone call what was the first phone call afterwards
1: um Of course, I mean, my family, uh, I talked to my family and and talked about it first, and uh, I talked to my parents uh, about it. And uh, yeah, I think the first moment was nervous, like, oh my God, like, uh, okay, then what's going to happen how how do you want to do it i was thinking all well, the plays i'm going to run and there was like so many <laughs> immediately so many like immediately right away but then i was like ah, oh, look it's still like three months left it's all easy it's going to be you know i still have time i still have time and now i'm i'm thinking it getting towards closer and closer now towards the preseason. and i'm like okay now i don't really have that much time so i hope i'm we're going to be ready we have the team ready and and everything's going to be set up so um, but the first phone calls was definitely him and my family and and then parents back home.
0: So talking about family a little bit before we talk about the philosophy part, but what's what how do you plan? I mean, you already planned and balanced family as a player, as a coach in the pro B, but now as a as a head coach um in the BBL and and uh Eurocup, right? Like Euro yes. Cup is, is yes. gonna be the competition. So how do you plan to balance the 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 family and, and and professional life aspect because coaches aspect that's that's probably the most critical balance of it all
1: yes of course i mean um you know my my wife elena she's the backbone of the family so she's gonna hold it together and um, of course she she support me in that decision so uh, you know this huge uh, huge tip that i had to to her because i mean she would have to Hold the kids and everybody accountable, and and you know run the family. So, um, like I said, she's the backbone, and and it's a huge thanks to her. But um, I heard that a lot of coaches, you know, they either gonna get divorced or they are better selves, But I don't want to, uh, you know, this is this is the most important for me, the, the family. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get through that, and we're gonna be alright. But uh, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be situations where uh, where it's gonna be rough. I understand we're gonna miss. Uh, or we are going to be in a road and going for a couple of days or, or maybe a week? But um, to know that you have somebody that you can rely on at home and, and everything, you know that everything's going well, gives you the more uh, relaxed situation. And it was like this when I was still playing, uh, when I started in the career. And I know Pro-B was not a lot of traveling, but now it's going to be a little bit similar to the situation when I was a player. So she knows uh, how yeah. it goes. Um, and uh, the kids are older and and a little bit. They understand also the situation. So I think it's uh, we're going to be fine.
0: Yeah, that's thanks for opening up about that. And I like like uh, it's family is a huge part of of our lives. You know, I don't have I don't have a family myself, but I can imagine I can sense because I already put a lot of responsibility and I kind of I feel responsible and I, I hold myself accountable for everything. You know, and then it feels like. If there's something, somebody else behind you who, who is putting more pressure on you, why you're not there, why it's like it's just gonna, it's a compounding effect, you know. And at some point it explodes. That's why the coach's coach's divorce rate is unfortunately very high. But I think that if you have already experienced, you know, like you you went through whole playing career, you have already this like this synergy between between the lifestyles that gives gives you a lot of like a backbone for your whole uh private life and then it lets you work freely as well you know like it's it's there's nothing worse i think than having you know double compounding pressure at home and at at the job no matter what profession actually
1: that's right i mean it's it's always a roller coaster it doesn't matter what kind of job you have it's always at home it's a roller coaster but you have good times you go through tough times but in the end uh, i mean we're now for you know over 10 years now together so uh uh she knows how um how the kind of like the basketball life is going and, and it's not easy. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like she, she's the backbone of the whole, whole family foundation. So, um, you know, we can rely on her kids, uh, me, and, 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 of course it's going to be tougher on her now. I, I understand, but, uh, I know that she can handle it and we're going to try to support her as good as we can.
0: All right. Let's talk about, uh, your head coaching duties, your, your, your vision and philosophy as a rookie head coach coming into a new season, go.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one, you know. um I think, like I said, like we started the conversation about uh, the Bamberg times. I think Tyrone McCoy is the one who who I'm also going to rely a lot on. I mean, he's been in that situations. I mean, he's been a head coach in, in Tübingen and in Artland. Uh, and he knows the game, he knows the players, he knows the league. So uh, there's gonna be again stuff that we're gonna do together, first of all. so i want I wanna talk to him about it before before uh, I'm gonna try to do my you know my decisions and my stuff. so it's gonna be his voice and also his decisions that we're gonna take, uh, or we're gonna go through that. But, yeah, I mean, we, our team is not complete yet, so it's not really that we are uh, already saying this is the way we're gonna play. Um, personally, um, when I looked at either NBA or, or EuroLeague teams, uh, you know, the defensive teams are always, especially I think in, in, if I looked at it right, NBA teams, the first four teams were in the semifinals, uh, in the defensive rating. So I think this is something that you cannot really forget. I mean, defense really, everybody says the offense now wins and, and, and you can shoot the threes and everything, but defensively we want to be there. We want to be ready. Um, this is something that we would like to rely on, um, and uh, of course, uh, try to protect the ball and assist over turnover would be something that also is not a team that, that brings you to the promised land. But uh, I, this is just, um, you know, this is something that we wish for, but uh, the, the reality might be a little different.
0: Yeah, the, uh, you're right. The top, Also, the top two def- defensive teams, one of them here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we're in the finals, so it's it's definitely defense. Defense goes a long way, and and people forget that you know even though Golden State shoots shoots the lights out, they also play defense uh, yes. at a high level. Yeah. Um, but what? How do you see yourself like the the relationship going to in a relationship with the players as a head coach? Like, where, where do you feel you're know, like? You're gonna be uh, different, or you, how are you gonna how are you gonna have that relationship building factor throughout the season? You're gonna be close. You're gonna be distant. Where, where, how do yeah, you see just- yourself?
1: This is something that I would like to, I would like to uh, know their opinion, like the the, the player's opinion. And it's not just uh, my way or highway. It's just, I would like to, you know, what I would like to do. And I try to do it in a younger level is, is talk with the guys after the practice, not with every, everyone after the practice. Sometimes somebody is in a bad mood or had a bad practice, but sometimes to talk to them after the practices or before practices and kind of get their, um, their mindset, because in the end they are the ones who are on the floor and they, they see how the whole situation is going. And I also doesn't really want to, uh, to look that they look always over the shoulder, looking for every single play, every single call, I want them to go and and, and make their decisions. Of course, it cannot be an anarchy and, and just uh, do whatever you want. But in the end, um, I don't want to put them there's going to be some kind of system or or I don't want to say rules. I don't like to call the rules, but framework the, about yeah, the, the framework and then you can you can basically do whatever you want freely in that, in that kind of framework. We just give you a, a path, but you can, you can still find a decision inside of this path.
0: Yeah. I, li- I like that because, um, you know, like coach lemanis the last podcast, which actually like is, is really, really good podcast. I encourage everybody to listen to it. Who's who's who wants to be a coach or who is a coach because of the, like the natural way of how he explained it. But he also talked about the natural, like, Player involvement, you know, and then like naturally the the question arises that are the inmates running the asylum, you know, like he said it that way. So, like, is the who who runs that prison, you know, basically. <laughs> but if you if you have a good relationship, if you are authentic and if you are who you are, the players recognize and they're gonna respect, they're gonna respect the rules, obviously. Um, but I feel like always to feel to to give the players some responsibility is important because when they feel like they have some input they will also apply themselves 100% instead of when it's forced on them and they have to do it and and it's not maybe some certain plays for example certain like free flow offenses sometimes it's not natural to some players so they naturally they just going to fight it you know and they're not going to accept it so i think that finding the right uh, flow in the offense with the lineups with the with the players that like to 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 like certain certain plays, certain ways of, of moving around, it's, it's very important to, to project onto the players and to figure out as a coach as quickly as possible what works and what doesn't work. You know, it's there's nothing worse of going the wrong path and then realizing it's yeah. too late.
1: I mean, this is this is everything I, w- I would wish for, but you know, those coaches you had on your podcast, I mean, they, they experienced, uh, you know, they, they were winning coaches, they won a lot, they, they had that experience, I'm just getting into it. So that's why I said it again, you know, the, the Tyrone, the, the impact of Tyrone is going to be huge. Um, and and this is something where, where I definitely had also a lot of stuff that to, to learn from him. So you know, this is something I, I'm not. I want to learn from that. I want to you know learn. Uh, yeah, everybody says learn every day, but it's right that that you you want to get something out of uh, out of everything.
0: For sure, for sure. And I had it wrote, written down also what's what's the, what the communication process was. Uh, I love communication uh, once again, but what was, what's the, what was the communication process with, uh, with Tyrone during the summer? Like what was the expectation? Like you said, he's going to have a big input. He's going to help you. Um, but like during, how often do you talk, how often, what are the main topics you guys talk about? Uh, no. uh go ahead. Well, we,
1: we, we thought, I mean, um, I, I approached him first of all, of course, if, uh, if he, uh, first of all, if he wants to get into it and if he, uh, um you know if he can feel comfortable in 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 that situation and the second thing uh was that i want to also him to have a let's say bigger impact you know so the the boy is going to be here not only my voice in the practice but i want him to to be a huge part of it and and this is something that uh we were talking about uh not not that much of the players or the way we want to play just how the whole situation's got a uh got to go and 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 how we're going to handle it so um i think we will figure it out once the whole, uh, whole preseason is going to start and uh you know he's going to give a, i definitely need the input and i want the input from him um and then we we're going to go basically hand in hand you know it's 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 uh it should be uh our thing not not my team but it's going to be our team and and that's how we're going to also present it to the you know to everybody so um this is something that uh I learned from from the coaches I had, and I really like that when this is about about the team also uh beside the team. Mm-hmm. Uh
0: number one, number one question that I always ask myself for like for um players and coaches, and you know, like scouting report is a big, big topic on every on every coach, especially now with the crazy schedule, uh playing into competitions, travels, how much preparation. Do you plan on on putting into opponents, whether uh, in, instead of, you know, focusing more on your own development, and like okay, let's let's talk about that first. Like, how much do you plan on on, on focusing on on player on player reports uh, for the opponents?
1: Okay, instead of so yourself? I I can only I can only tell from what I've done now, which is completely different. I get it; the level is different and everything. We were really focusing more on ourselves. That means uh, um, we started let's say of course we were doing some drills where the people or the, the, the players didn't know that we were doing already from the from the opponent but we were not really starting the whole week and talking about okay we from monday on this is how we're going to start uh, practicing this is how we're going to defend uh, and now with that schedule it's impossible to do it and i kind of would like to focus more on us than than on the opponent of course you cannot go naked to the game and don't know what's going to do what's going to happen um and it's yeah adjustments are of course very important uh but uh yeah you know i think we we really would like to focus more on us uh than on opponent um this is this is something that, that at least i think could help and uh, we'll see if it goes the right direction
0: i think i think early on in the season it's it's more about yourself anyway i think that you have to find your own identity as a team as fast as possible. And that doesn't happen in preseason usually. Like if, you know, it happens sometimes even only in February, yeah. March, and like, you know, like you, it takes time to find yourself. And like you said, there's, there's been losing streaks in Ulm as well where it took a while to find yourself. But then once you're clicking, once you find yourself and you go into the, into the teeth of the season and into the, into the, into the nut cut time, like they say, Then you can start preparing. Also, more obviously, like you said, you don't go naked until you prepare the opponents. But then, the closer you get to the more important games, the more preparation you put in. And then, obviously, like the playoffs come. Hopefully, that's when that's when the preparation comes because you know you're who you are. You know who the players are. The roles are clear, and then you 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 adjust according to the opponents. Like, how do you defend certain actions? I think that's that's the progression.
1: I think a good word. I mean, you've been around Boston uh, for a while, so you know you guys clicked whenever it was when when they started this the winning streak and then you guys were winning or beating the opponents by 20 points or something like that and it just came from i don't know you know better i just from from outside looking it came out of nowhere and it it really Kept and then you guys were just just going better and better and better. And I think Kyle heiss was talking about it uh, one time about when they had that dinner um, in in Moscow when he was playing there. So those are the situations you never know when they're gonna come and when they're gonna appear. Definitely not gonna happen in preseason. And uh, if you start winning in, in the preseason and you're six and zero, seven zero, everybody's happy. But this is not the your right face. So. Yeah, that's right. You never know when the when the right team is going to show up, and hopefully, it's going to show up throughout the season because not all the time it happens. But um, we will be happy uh, that uh, that it happens. Uh, let's say somewhere around January, February.
0: Yeah, it's uh, most random things happen like that, right? Like most uh, sometimes. Like in our case, it was also uh, a trade. Sometimes it's also there was also an adjustment of. Uh, putting Rob uh away from the guarding pick and roll but more on the help side then you make certain adjustments that all of a sudden it works excellent with the team that you have you know and then it just it's a it's it's a you know roller coaster and it works automatically from from for the, each team differently so there's not one recipe so some yeah. some some teams it's a dinner <laughs> you know like
1: i mean of course of course like if, if there would be a recipe everybody would win you know? so yeah. this
0: is uh, we'll exactly exactly so uh one more thing about the Scout reports is there something that you because you strike me as somebody that's that's really into preparation as a player when you were when you were as a player but you probably uh, observed and read the scouting reports you can see probably that you were probably also watching the video really back then it was probably also a lot of emphasis on that but is there is like do you have a way of doing it maybe different like Player, your player vision versus your coach's vision on scouting reports, is this something that you would do different from what you saw as a player?
1: I mean, uh, okay, so every player is going to take the scouting report differently. I mean, I wanted to know as much information as I, as, as possible. So I wanted to know the plays, the players So I'm going to guard. Uh, you I as a player concerned. or you as a coach? Yeah, as, a player, as a player, I wanted to know it like this. I know a couple of guys, they, they didn't want to know anything about it, or let's say just a little bit, or they um read it before the game and then it's done so everybody's gonna take this card report differently so you can just give them something and and everybody's gonna pick whatever it's best for them that's always say like this is what we give you pick what is best for you like uh, for example on the players um max for me is three offensive three defensive stuff done um and then um for whatever plays, I mean, we're going to walk through some, or we're going to go live some stuff, but we're going to give you more. And then they always tell you like, okay, if this is important for you, just look at it, pick however you want to guard it. But we're just going to go through certain stuff um, live and we're going to highlight it, but not, not, so much stuff because most of the teams, I mean, they're running so much stuff that it's it's difficult even to, you know, to remember or to, to concentrate on that stuff. So um, I think the player is going to pick whatever is important for them. And that's what we try to tell them, like pick what is important for you. But there's going to be certain rules or certain, let's say, most important or most front plays. This is how we want to defend it. This is how we want to do it. Um, but in the end, um, that's why I would like to focus, focus more on us than, than on opponents.
0: Yeah, it's you provide them. You provide them with the necessary information, and then let them, as grown adults, choose the right yeah. the right information for them, the information load that they can handle. It's also uh, with with Messina. It was also that once you have your rules in place as a team, it's more or less clear. And the play calls of the opponent are not even important as important. I mean, the assistant coaches should know. They're for yeah. sure they should be able to. They should be able to warn their players and tell them what's coming, but the Player should know the rules on how to defend certain actions, and if there's a special play or a Spain pick and roll with a weird angle or some yeah. sort of something else, then there's special rules. Special plays require special rules. Other than that, you should have your philosophy in place in terms of uh defensive uh rules and and schemes yeah. and stuff like that. I think that because Messina also always said, also. The players need to play they, they cannot overthink it you know they cannot like now i have to do this and that and then you do this and the op- op- opponent reads it and does something else like the players have to not overthink and not overload the brain they have to just play
1: i mean if messina says it you know <laughs> then he knows what he's talking about <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure he does for sure he does um you you ready for some atos let's do it <laughs> all right i'm gonna i'm gonna throw some at, at you um as a player your biggest sliding door moment
1: uh what do you mean sliding door moment
0: <laughs> where th- things where things could have done, turned out completely different
1: oh uh, uh yeah i think it was after after um after the greece experience and i didn't have a job and i had a one offer from greece i didn't take and i think if i would take that probably you know the whole Bamberg situation and the euroleague wouldn't wouldn't probably go that way so i mm. think this was this was something that uh yeah that was the right decision.
0: Saying no sometimes is good. Too. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> um, biggest epiphany you had as a player uh, when you like you felt like this is next level basketball. Is there like that like we're elevated and you were like it opened up a different stratosphere for you?
1: Yes. the First preseason game uh, in Spain against Valencia. And Vule Abdalovic was my opponent, and uh, I remember that there was I even, I even kind of had a good game. But this was like Dejan Milojevic, who is now an assistant coach for for Warriors. He was also playing for the team, and I remember there was some wherever Jim was. I don't care where, but uh, it was just like okay, well, this is different. This is a different level. Uh, I think this was uh, this was the one when I uh, yeah when I experienced that eye opening, huh? Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I had a similar experience when I saw the first life ACB game. It was like it felt different. It felt mm-hmm. like the atmosphere I
1: mean, about that we can go like we played we played uh, we played uh, back then tau uh, or now Basconia, and we played at home, and the first quarter was 16 and and sixteen points of Scola, Luis Scola back then with Frigioni, Scola splitter. Uh, Teletovich, all those guys. it was just unbelievable. We were playing at home at 16 16 at the first quarter, and all points, Luis Cole. It was just <laughs> hey, every day you were playing against somebody, it was just like the whole season was uh, Navarro. You can you can name them all, it was, yeah. It was unbelievable.
0: Yeah, no, ACB is special, always has yeah. been. Um, biggest advice from your player self to your coaching self. <laughs>
1: Be patient, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I would say that. Be patient, but uh, I was, I was, I'm really bad at it. I don't know yeah. if I'm still, but hopefully I can get back.
0: Yeah, I think uh, not many. Uh, I'm not pay- I have, I struggle with patience too. Sometimes, sometimes, like it really varies. It's situational. <laughs> it's very yeah, situational. Yeah. Um, best. Uh, that's a Tim Ferriss question. Uh, best worthwhile personal investment that you did.
1: Um, you know, creating. Oh, I don't know if I can say creating my family was the the one, but uh, this is something that creates a foundation where I can always uh, come back and rely on. So I would I would say that the you know the family is is, yeah. is is something that I would never you know get for granted.
0: That's valid. No, that's that's a good personal
1: investment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, something something personal about you that you wouldn't be able to find on Google. Oh.
1: I really don't know. Like on that.
0: Some <laughs> fan, but
1: uh besides. <laughs> no, no. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is you're not gonna find I'm a huge isoki fan. This is something that I always wanted to be an ice hockey player. And uh now NHL draft number one and number two are from my country, from Slovakia. So this is like a huge, huge success for our country. So let's let's keep it that it's very simple, nothing special.
0: Big time, big time. Yeah. Um I, I have a I do have a pod map on my on my personal homepage so i will try i will put you on slovakia if it's okay yeah
1: sure i've I've
0: never had anybody from slovakia so yeah um for which which uh which city should i tag košice
1: no you can say poprad p-o-p-r-a-d this is uh, where i'm living i I was born in košice but i was spending most of the time almost
0: okay last question uh what's as an ex-player from transition and we talked a little bit about it was it more difficult to create a new identity or was it more uh, harder to um let go of an, of the old one as a player like what, what like you you had a relatively easy way out where you said you took a time and mm-hmm. you didn't really let the game come to you so I'm, I'm always wondering and i didn't anticipate your answer during the during the podcast but was there something that, that you felt like it was more difficult to let go of your basketball career or more difficult to create a new one after the basketball career?
1: I think to create a new one, I think to really the let go was was easy and kind of yeah, refreshing, I would say. and but to mm-hmm. create a new one and 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 I really didn't take it for granted. just so I wanted to do everything perfect on a pro b level. So if I think about now, how it's going to be in a BBL and Eurocup? I mean, it's, you know, uh, it's going to be again, created again, a little bit new one. So uh, it's going to be a difficult and it's definitely more difficult. than just let the old one go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes total sense. Anton, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you opening up about, about your career, about your plans, about you. your philosophy. And, and uh, we're looking, we're looking forward to see you on the sideline and looking forward to seeing some, some wins and Ulm And, uh, I'll be there. I'll be on the orange on the orange campus too.
1: Thank you very much, Benas, and I hope you bring in some some uh, great great guests like you've done until now. So really, um, I'm looking forward to new podcasts and uh, keep doing the great job.
0: Thanks, thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, being on here as well. You're both Thank you're you. list you're a listener and you're a contributor now. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. That's right.
0: Thanks, uh, everybody, for listening, and uh, see you soon. Bye.